1: Six thirty, Chad. Inside sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. Now, inside sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Oilers and Eskimos. Six thirty, Chad.
3: Seven oh six. No. Hour number two of 6.32 Inside Sports Underway. Dave Campbell in for Reed Wilkins tonight, Wednesday evening edition of the show. Reed will be back tomorrow. And I know Reed has a big hour planned for uh, the second hour. Bagged milk and jean shorts are coming in from Oilers Nation. That is the way they would like to be introduced. So, hey, it's, it's fine. Funny guys and uh, always entertaining, and always uh, have good opinions. So they'll uh, they'll join Reed tomorrow night, plus uh, much, much more tomorrow night on 6.30 Chet Inside Sports. And I'll be uh, flying off to Ottawa tomorrow morning as the Eskimos play the Red Blacks on Saturday. 3.30 is the pregame show. Morley Scott, your Struley analysis from Blake Dermott and the Kickoff is at five o'clock from TV Place. Uh, Matt Panasiuk is uh, across the glass from me. Matt, uh, good evening, sir.
1: And a good evening to you as well, sir.
3: Uh, so this football game is being delayed for a long, long time. Um, in fact, we, it might not even, might not even get played today. Is that uh, what they're saying? That's what they're saying now. Apparently, the decision is going to come at uh, nine o'clock Winnipeg time, which is eight o'clock Edmonton time. So I'm trying to think when when were the what was the last football game to be delayed? Like in the NFL and the CFL, do you can you remember? Your your mind is a lot sharper than mine because you're younger.
1: The game I remember being delayed was Brian Hall in his hotel room in Toronto when the power went out yes, in New York. Yes,
3: I remember. I was in your very spot yeah. when that happened, getting ready to uh, to opt the game. So <laughs> I remember that, and the game didn't happen.
1: Yep, it and, happened on a Monday or a Sunday, or it happened uh, fri- a day later,
3: Thursday or Friday. Yeah. Because remember, uh, we had to scramble and put together a inside sports show, which <laughs> at the time was in uh, the time slot from 9 to 11. So Holy smokes. Yeah, that was crazy. So you're right. Yeah, because in that year, like the eastern seaboard, it was such a massive heat wave. Yeah. And just the, the power grid just failed.
1: Because they were all connected for some stupid reason.
3: Yeah, exactly. <laughs>
1: How, whose
3: idea was, uh, just put the plug here? and uh, it's, Look at that. All the Eastern Seaboard's connected.
1: Ooh, that that plug failed. Let's connect New York, Toronto, New Jersey. Let's just see how that works <laughs> out and see how it just pans out for us. You know? Apparently it didn't work so good, did it? No, I'm just trying to think of other, other games that got delayed. Uh, rarely do you see an NFL game delayed, especially because of, you know, I think there was heavy rain one time in Jacksonville that delayed yeah. the game. but. Nothing really serious in the NFL. In the CFL, you see the odd delay, but a game actually getting postponed for a day, maybe because of a statement. You know what? I think, you know what? There was a couple of years ago, Dave, that I think a game in Miami was moved because of a hurricane. They moved it a day up. Okay. And and plus, I think they moved the Raiders game or an Athletics, Raiders game because of the Athletics playoffs, perhaps? That sounds
3: familiar, yeah. There's
1: two of those games that got moved. No, no, no. I think they moved the Dolphins game because of a Marlins playoff game. Okay. So there's a couple of things. I
3: remember nine years ago being in Regina at uh, Mosaic Stadium in a game in mid-August. And the Eskimos playing the Riders. And it was midway through, midway through or five minutes into the fourth quarter, lightning, boom. Just the whole stadium went dark. Yep. Brian Hall and I were doing the broadcast. And I remember, because we were delayed 90 minutes, we didn't get power back for 60 minutes. And this was Halsey. During, uh, during the break, you know, he's like, okay, let's check my cell phone. It's
1: full charge. We're going on the air, Davy boy. And we ended up doing a whole hour on the phone. Holy smokes. I remember that because some network didn't go back to that game. And put on a movie called The Good Thief instead, and we missed a great finish to a football game. Unfortunately, the Eskimos were on the losing side of it, but it was still a good football game, in my opinion, that we missed. But we did get the call with legendary Brian Hall. And you as well. So that was a bonus for us all.
3: Well, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. I know we got some good kudos uh, of global television at the time. Uh, I remember John Sexsmith uh, wrote or uh, had a story about the blackout and gave Halsey and I uh, some kudos. So appreciate that. And I remember John McKinnon, when he was the columnist for the Edmonton Journal, wrote a nice piece about us as well. So that was cool. But I, I, you know, Halsey talked for about fifty-five minutes of the whole hour. I mean, that's how it works, right? So.
1: Well, for you, Dave, <laughs> as a broadcaster, when a delay happens, maybe just talk about like, d- does it screw up your whole routine during a game? Does it, you know, does it affect you fatigue-wise going into a game? Because you know, I know you take it, you may take a nap or something before the game, but you know, some games, I mean, that Eskimos game went to, uh, by the time you were off the air, it was midnight for you, right? So it was probably of eleven.
3: I want to say I got off the air. One thirty, two o'clock in the morning. Yeah, at Mosaic. So yeah, yeah, it was it was a long, it was a long haul. That's for sure. So, but I remember the Eskimos had a lead in that game, and they, they led by ten points, and they ended up losing yep. that game. I mean, they weren't very good in two thousand seven, and nope. and uh, so I think you're just kind of adrenalized from that. And plus, you get angry callers and emotional callers. And they have every right to be because that was a rough year. year before, the 34-year playoff streak ended. So there's a lot of people that were really touchy. Yeah. Didn't like Danny Machocha at the time. <laughs> and I don't think
1: anybody liked Machocha in this town for some reason. <laughs> they just turned against him, you know, after I think it was after he actually thought that the Great Cup was over. That's when people turned against him, Dave, as far well, as I'm
3: concerned. He didn't look like a head coach, which <laughs> I, I never understood that. But well I sort of I no, I did understand that, but I'm going n- not the criteria. He, yeah. He's actually a good football coach. As a head coach, probably not. Uh he was an excellent offensive coordinator under Tom Higgins, though. I he's will a, give him that.
1: He's an excellent CIS coach, Dave. I mean, he is. I mean, Montreal. That that. Uh, what's the name of that school? Is it Montreal? Uh, yeah,
3: no. University of Montreal. Montreal.
1: Ketabang. I, I mean, that school. I mean, they've been tr- challenging for CIS championships as of late. So good yeah. for them, right? Good but the, for Danny. But to answer
3: answer your question. I think you know. I compare it to last week. So we had a delay. Yep. But in the back of my, my mind, I expected okay, there might be a delay here, right? I was prepared yeah. for it. You know, I remember that the the, uh, the the blackout in 07 It just came up so fast, and I remember all of a sudden you just you're looking, you're looking across the stadium, and you see these 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 lightning flashes, and you're going, if they get any closer, we're in trouble. And then one one hit, and you're like, boom, you know, and then you don't know how long the delay will be. I think that's the most disconcerting thing as a broadcaster during a delay. You don't know how long you're going to be, you know killing time for or uh, making the needles move. And once we found out last week, for example, that, okay, the team's going to be back on the field in 15 minutes. I will have a 10-minute warm-up. We'll be back around 10 after 8. Okay, great. You know, now you have an endpoint. You yeah. know, uh, And in Regina in 07, we were really trying to find out when we'd be back on the air. And you know, we, we finally found out near the end of the hour that, okay, the teams are coming back on the field. We're going to have a half hour warm up. We're going to get this thing kicked off again. So you just got to be prepared. Yeah. So that's all there is to it. So, but I feel, I feel bad for my, uh, you know, colleagues at TSN as well. I I know a lot of them. I mean, uh, you know, within my travels, and the, you know they travel here. I travel across the country, and I bump into a lot of them. So it's tough. So, uh, so we're gonna find out probably in 45 minutes if this game is even gonna get played. So,
1: well, we'll, we'll find out. Uh, do you think, if, for, as a player's perspective, do you think that this game should be played tonight, or do you think that they should move it into another day and say, hey? You know the players have been sitting there, sitting there, and the coaches and the there's gonna be no fans at the game. I mean, for the bombers, it's a lose revenue game now, pretty much, right? Yeah, they've lost a lot of revenue. Fans have gone home because they don't be, they don't want to sit in a storm, right? Yeah, so and it's
3: Milt Stegall night. They're honoring Milt Stegall yeah. and they're so. putting him on their Wall of Honor. So I think that'll be things that'll be discussed. Network too.
1: TV also has a play in it as well. Big oh, time. TV's so got a TV's he, got a huge play in it.
3: He's got a big time. You know, he's got a big time. Uh, you know, it's it's. Yeah, you're right. Exactly. So this text comes in, poor baby Dave. I don't know where that came from. Anyway.
1: Well, I mean, (laughs) as a broadcast, you're prepared to do a game, and then all of a sudden the game's not going on, and... You know, you you've got to be able to just switch gears like that, right? Go into a mode of well, we got to fill this all this time, right? And I know you, and Morley, are especially great with getting extra tape at practice that we some people don't realize. There's just some games where we don't use the tape that we actually that you actually have. You have extra tape just in case yep. something happens, right? That's and right. we did. And remember, the, during the Winnipeg delay, we did play some tape for you guys to have a little bit of a break and to catch back up and to see how things are progressing with the weather and stuff of like that, right? So. You know, you, you and Dave, you and uh, Morley are pros at that sort of thing.
3: You got it. Yeah, and uh, hey, you know who's a pro too? Mike Riley. Mike yes. Riley's a big-time pro. He's a pretty good football player too. Uh, and he was named the uh, a Shaw CFL Top Performer of the Month, uh, 1,926 yards passing, 11 touchdowns, just three interceptions, rushed 25 times for 90 yards. He has now passed for more than 345 yards and completed better than 70% of his passes in all five games this season. Leads the CFL in completions, passing yards, and is tied for the league lead in touchdowns. Previously named a player a CFL Top Performer of the Week back in Week 5. Uh, Darius Bowman's got a lot of passes from Mike Riley, and he says uh, he's, he's pretty good and perhaps has stepped it up another notch this year too.
4: I'm going to my fourth year with him it's going on another year, he's still our leader, you know, when it comes to his offense. And uh, honestly, for me, he looks better this year than he – no, no, he always do great. Okay. But this year he's, he's looking special, you know what I mean. I actually uh, – he's putting in the work though, so it makes sense, you know what I mean. And uh, His pocket presence, his understanding for the game. His leadership's even, but he's a lot more calmer. He's not yelling. Really? He's going off on people. Well, he has his moments, yeah. but it's more like chill. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, uh, actually, man, it, it makes sense to me. Like I say, uh, if we could make votes for MOP, he would be my guy already.
5: Is, uh, uh, I mean, is, is there a sense if he's making up for some lost time? He had to sit out and watch you guys half the year last year, came uh, back with a vengeance. As, a,
4: as an athlete, I say yes to that question because I think about, when I miss my time with my ACL, you do kind of feel like you like behind in the way, you know? So uh, I'm pretty sure you probably have a small portion there. But then on the other other end, I think he's just ready. Then we knew this coming in. What's what's the chance of the teams winning it back to back in history? It's not that great. And that was something Mike kept talking about in the offseason. We can't rely on what happened last year. We have to have a new face, new identity, and he really showed up with his. So uh, as long as we continue to follow him, we're going to get better every week.
3: You mentioned the ACL. Yeah, I guess you more than anyone know how he feels because oh, yeah. you came back and you oh, yeah. had that the back nine. You had that oh, yeah. season was phenomenal, oh, yeah. and uh, I guess you know the feeling of kind of being pent up and coming back.
4: Oh, it's kind of still on me now. You kind of you kind of never forget those moments. You know what I mean? And, uh, even think of when we were talking about Mike. I remember went down the first game, and then for like seven weeks he was like in the training room, like out to the side doing the doing the training stuff, you know, and just. But you still can see the fire and the focus in his eyes, and. Uh, since he came back, we won on last. I hate talking about last year, but when we came back, you seen. And like I said, this year he looks better than any year I've ever played with him. Like I say, uh, off the field and on the field. So like I say, as long as our offense get ourselves together and continue to follow that guy, I think we'll be all right. Between you. Uh, Darrell and Mike, the pace
3: you're setting this year, all all record-setting paces for, for yards. I mean, the three of you just seem to be clicking so
4: well. Oh, man, uh yeah, that's something we've been building on, too, man. Like I say, uh Darrell's a ball of energy, man. Like I say, I've played with a lot of guys. No offense to any of them, but uh, that's a special young guy, you know what I mean? And uh, hopefully we have him a long, long, long time. But if not, I really have cherished every moment I get with him. You know, he makes me feel younger, you know what I mean? But once again, like I say, uh the guy leading us and throwing us the ball, he kind of not easy. Nothing's really easy, but he makes it. It makes it better and more confident for us because we know the work he put in.
3: And uh, the Eskimos will get another receiver added to their uh, to the mix is Nate Kuhorn. He was out the last two games with a concussion suffered in practice almost uh, two weeks ago. Uh, placed on the six-game injured list because you don't know how long a concussion will take to work through with all the symptoms and and whatnot. But uh, he got pulled off the six-game injured list. Uh, This week and should play Saturday in Ottawa against the Red Blacks where the Eskimos will try to break a two-game losing streak. Uh, Bowman says, you know, when you're in uh, a funk like this, but even in general, there's a lot of responsibility on the leaders to step up and show the new players uh, how it's done.
4: This is it. Like I say, uh, Mike and Odell hit a big word uh, two days ago, uh, playoff status. You know what I mean? And and I know what he mean when he say that. You know, playoffs, you lose, you're at home. You know, so kind of get your mind wrapped around that. We need those from that bad. And uh, I think that that was good to put that out there. And the guys really been honing in and, and taking that approach because, uh, like I said, I've been there. And, and that feeling, you know what I mean? You got to give it all you got. So I think that's where our team's at. In terms of practice today, our defense looked amazing. And I think it was that talk Odell and Mike said, you know, playoff status. You got to think like that. You know what I mean? We can't afford to get another one. So, like I said, as long as we continue to follow our leaders on this team, we're going to be all right.
3: Talking about that, it seems talking to guys this week, the leaders have kind of really stepped up oh, this yeah. week and sort of got the message out
4: there. JC's, our guy Pat, he never even talked, but you know, you've heard a lot out of him. You know, uh, well, I've been hearing that, you know, the DBs, they've been getting their extra work in and, and leading by Pat and Parks, you know what I mean? Guys that's been in this game. And uh, for me, uh, been on the other side of those guys, we're a team at the end. So just to see it come out of all of us, that's, that's that that team chemistry I always talk about. So it's, it's good to just see guys woke and focused, and, and I say, as hey, long as we keep following our leaders and doing what we do, everything's going to be all right on our end.
3: So that's what Darius Bowman has to say about the uh, leadership group and how they need to have more responsibility and you know more onus on picking the team up. And even Armando Sewell played a clip yesterday saying, look, I stop blaming the new players. Blame me. I'm a veteran not doing my job. I can be replaced. So, I got to do my job better. We all got to do our job better. You'll hear what Jason Moss has to say about that and more uh, when we come back here on 630 Chet Inside Sports.
1: This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader, 630 Chet.
3: Dave Campbell in for Reed Wilkins tonight. Reed will be back on the show tomorrow. Eskimos are in Ottawa on Saturday, 30. or sorry, 5 o'clock is the kickoff from TD Place. 3:30 is the pregame show. Morley Scott, yours truly, and in-game analysis from Blake Dermott. Let's give you a scoreboard update. Brought to you by Crystal Glass for all your glass needs. Visit crystalglass.ca. Still waiting for. Uh, any more official word on this football game? Uh, week seven is supposed to start tonight in Winnipeg. Bombers at two and four taking on the three and two Hamilton Tiger-Cats. Except there's a huge wicked storm and there. there were tornado warnings south of Winnipeg uh, before the game started, and there's lightning and in, uh, in the area. And lightning will always delay a game. Um, and uh, the word is, perhaps this game will get going in about 35 minutes, but that could change i uh, seen some pictures on Twitter of the, the, the skies around Investors Group Field. Looks like uh, there is some, not lightning, but lightening of the skies. So hopefully they'll be able to get it done and uh, get, the, uh, get the game going. Major Leagues of Baseball, Toronto Blue Jays, a 1-0 lead over the Houston Astros. They're in the bottom of the fifth inning. Uh, The Baltimore Orioles, who right now have a one-game lead over the Blue Jays for top spot in the American League East. They're taking on the Texas Rangers. They lead by a score of 3-2. Boston Red Sox, they're in action uh, later on tonight as well uh, against the Seattle Mariners, I believe, and they're two games back of... uh, yeah, there it is. Okay, just confirming <laughs> they actually are playing tonight. Seattle's at home to Boston. Boston two games back of the Orioles' for top spot in the AL East. Right now the Blue Jays uh, and the Boston Red Sox have the wild card spots in the American League. All right, you heard uh, Darius Bowman talk about it. it's up to the leadership core to really step up here. What does uh,
5: Jason Moss feel about uh The role of his leaders. At at the end of the day, you know we're a team. We're a team. We have a a whole bunch of veteran presence here on this team that won a championship last year. That knows how to do it the right way, and they got to be more vocal. I think that's what basically they're saying. They need to be more vocal and show more of a leadership and more of accountability on themselves and and the group within the group. So if things aren't getting done, they need to be the first ones to look at themselves and then get the group on the right spot on the right page. So I'm happy to hear that they did. They say that um, because it is a. On them, but it's a team game. It ain't a veteran or a rookie that loses a game. It's all of us combined that lose games. So we win them together as well. So at the end of the day, it's all about accountability and ownership. And when your veterans say that and, and show that, you know you're in a good spot and you have a good locker room. Uh, you got veterans on your front
3: four, your starting front four, and, and talking to them, they, they seem to be taking the lack of success or the lack of production pretty hard.
5: Well, I mean, and rightfully so. They have a lot of pride, and they're used to having more success than they're having right now up front. Um, You know, we'll change some things around. We'll do some things better. Um, I guarantee it. I mean, that's the bottom line. I mean, I I still have a lot of faith in what we do and the guys that we have here. So, you know, they'll show it, and I know they're determined to show it. So, you know, I still think we're in a good spot. We just haven't performed up to the level that we're aspiring to just yet, but I think that's, that's coming.
3: So that's uh, the thoughts of head coach Jason Moss. And as far as possible changes coming to the defense, as far as personnel goes, uh, it's possible Marcel Young did not practice the last two days. He was present yesterday, but was pretty much stapled staple to the sideline. And uh, according to Jason Moss, just dealing with some, uh, some ailments. And uh, if he can't go, likely Tyler Thornton will play, who's looked good. You know, he's got four defensive tackles and a knockdown which should have been an interception against the Winnipeg Blue Bombers but he's played three games and has had some time even at the nickel position he can play all five spots uh, there's a possibility we could see Thornton with a, a larger role even if Marcel Young is ready to go and play that game Saturday in Ottawa uh, Nate Cohorn, as I mentioned pulled off six game injured list so he should be good to go recovered from that concussion Matt O'Donnell the right guard did not practice today didn't practice yesterday as well but uh according to head coach Jason Moss, and he said this on the Eskimo show with Morley Scott yesterday, uh, just dealing with uh, his ailments and should be good to go for Saturday. So Jason Moss, uh, in practice, will rest his veterans. Some coaches, if you don't practice, you don't play. But Jason Moss says, I trust my veterans. They know what they're doing. They need some rest here. And remember, they play Montreal a week tomorrow, so they won't have a lot of time once they get off the plane to uh, recover and uh, get ready for the uh, Montreal Alouettes a week from next Thursday. Professional bull riding's coming to Edmonton. Hear about that more next on Inside Sports.
2: Your home for breaking
1: news and expert opinion. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad.
3: Dave Campbell in for Reed Wilkins tonight here on 6:30 Jet Inside Sports for this Wednesday evening. Looks like they're going to play this game in Winnipeg. Uh, looks like around eight o'clock, they'll, uh, the players will be back out. Ten minute, min- ten minute, ten minute warm up. That's all they get. Ten minute warm up to get going, and it just shows you how urgent the CFL is is, is uh, as far as getting this game in. They're, they're going to shoehorn this game in, Matthew. So. We'll find out if that's good or not. So. I'm not
1: in- exactly impressed by the 10-minute warm-up, though, Dave. I think they should get at least 20 minutes.
3: Yeah. I. It's pretty hard to get all the kinks out after 10 minutes when you've been sitting around for... I mean, they'll be sitting around for close to two hours. You know, and there's only so much you can do in the room, right? So.
1: Now, the other question is, maybe you haven't seen this yet, but uh, will there be a halftime? Since they have to honor Mel Stiegel, right? So there's going to be a halftime in this game, obviously. Which is crazy yeah. because that's another, what, 15 to 20 minutes. So yep,
3: <laughs> yeah. Standard CFL halftime is 16 minutes, and they'll probably extend this one. So you're right; it'll be close to 20 minutes. So uh, there better be uh, there better be no challenges, and the refs just better let all the ticky-tack stuff go. <laughs> so keep the flag in your pocket. We're playing uh, schoolyard rules. There are no rules. <laughs> so we'll
1: see and the ref swallowed the mic.
3: Swallowed the whistle, sorry. <laughs> that's and right. the mic. And the mic. Well, Andre Pru is the ref. So, no, we don't want him to swallow the, the, the mic because we, as much as Andre Pru drives you crazy,
1: <laughs> you just want to hear him do his thing. He isn't as bad as Al, let's put it that way.
3: No, that's true. He, although Al Bradbury called a pretty good gray cup, which was shocking to me. But good for Al Bradbury. He, he got one good one. Oh, by the way, uh, CFL uh, announced discipline this week, and uh, an Eskimo was on the uh, discipline list, I guess you call it. Uh, Jabari Hunt, uh, Eskimos defensive tackle, fine for a low hit to Winnipeg Blue Bombers quarterback Matt Nichols. That did result in a 15-yard uh, roughing the passer penalty, which was a uh, uh, the result of a challenge by Mike O'Shea and turned out to be a good challenge. So so with all these coaches, too, I mean, there's so many things you can challenge now. You can challenge no yards. You can challenge some illegal or uh, rough play. You can challenge roughing the passer. You can challenge offensive pass interference, which I agree with. If you're going to challenge defensive, you might as well challenge offensive, too. But I'm seeing these coaches burn their challenges sometimes in the second quarter or third quarter. You always got to keep in a close game a challenge flag in your pocket. So there you go. Uh, oh, here's a text here. My husband and kids are at the game in Winnipeg. They haven't been allowed to leave the souvenir shop because of the lightning. Hmm, that's interesting. So we'll uh, we'll keep an eye on on that development. Just trying to see if there's another update here from the league and don't see anything. So it looks like the plan is still for uh, the teams to come back out and uh, have a brief warm up and get this game going around nine o- or eight o'clock our time. So, so we shall see. Also uh, on the fine list today, this was weird. And this, I don't think I've ever seen this violation before. Although I can see how it could happen. The riders were fined $15,000 for an in-game roster violation in related to deployment of international players in their game on July 16th versus the BC Lions. So all that means is they had probably six Canadians on the field when they were required to have seven. Uh, Or however the ratio works. So you can declare we're going to have five starters on offense and two starters on defense that are Canadian. Always. That's a better way of explaining it. So uh, clearly the Riders did not have the right number of Canadians on the field. And it doesn't matter if there are injuries, you have to have the right number of Canadians. So either Chris Jones didn't dress the right amount of Canadians, although apparently he did. And apparently he dressed one over the, the, uh, the threshold of how many Canadians you need uh, as far as the limit goes. So that's kind of strange. Don't see that. Every so often, or hardly at all in the league. Uh, This is uh, pretty cool. I was really, uh, actually, really blown away by this presentation by Oilers Entertainment Group and professional bull riders. Uh, They've announced a partnership of five years, bringing the PBR Monster Energy Canada Tour Finals with a special global invitational PBR event to Rogers Place as the centerpiece of a new festival to coincide with Edmonton's annual farm fair exhibition. Bob Nicholson. Uh, spoke about this today, the uh, vice chair and CEO of Oilers Entertainment Group and talking about the agreement with professional bull riders.
0: I think it's going to be a huge opportunity for the city. This is the first uh, announcement in, you know, Western lifestyles uh, over a 10-day period. And, you know, to get PBR in for three of those days, uh, to be partnering with them, to be partnering with IMG is uh, really important to us. Uh, We want to build OEG brand, and uh, this is a great partnership to start it with. This is certainly a different event. This is a new event that we're going to bring in. Uh, CFRA, you know, they're still out there. Is there a place for rodeo in this city? Yes, there is. Uh, Who they partner and how they partner in the future will be something to be determined, but uh, we're really putting our focus on uh, PBR and the festival event, which will include uh, hockey games and will also include entertainment of a very high level, and hopefully we'll also have a lot of local entertainment so that we can really use Roger's Place uh, when the ice district's there we can use it but also reach into all different parts of the city so that uh, everyone's engaged. But th- This is about a long-term vision according to Bob Nicholson. When I look at it uh, you know when you look at professional bull riding it's a sport that's growing. You heard Sean talk about the growth worldwide and we feel that we got on to a partnership that's just starting to grow in this country, and uh, you know. Uh I really like that, to have those opportunities to make sure that you get with a partnership that's just starting and not one that's maybe going in the other direction. And uh, the other thing that uh, I like today, I got to meet a lot of the athletes, uh, the the riders and the fighters, and they've uh, really said that the Canadian group of athletes is really starting to be competitive worldwide. You know, it's been huge in Brazil, huge in the United States. Now takes me back into my old world with Canada against the rest of the world and that's sort of exciting and you know if we can get the bull riders to be uh, more recognizable that's going to grow the sport and uh, we want to do that within OAG. I think that uh, this is something that you know we have to look at the whole picture of where uh, bull riding is going in Canada so we want it to be really successful in other cities in the country and we want to be the leading city and if we do that uh, I think from sponsorship from television uh, uh, the, the sky's the limit and I think that's uh, that's the way we're going to approach this as a you know a new start uh, for bull riding in Edmonton and to help them build uh, the Canadian tour to another level so that it's recognized not just in Canada but worldwide. So what is Professional Bull Riders? What is this event all about? How big is this
3: organization? I had a chance to talk with CEO Sean Gleason about it all. Well, exciting bit of news. Anytime Edmonton can host a, an event like this, is uh, it's always good for the city. But Sean,
2: tell me what attracts Edmonton uh, to the PBR. You know, it's a great cowboy town first of all, but uh, the second reason is you guys are building one of the most spectacular event facilities that I've had the good fortune to see. So it's a yeah. world-class venue, world-class home for PBR. You've been inside already? Uh, yeah, I've been a, early on, so I haven't had a chance. I'm going to get a chance to see it with uh, some seats in it and and some other stuff but it's it's just a spectacular facility well, just a warning you will be impressed absolutely <laughs> <laughs> absolutely how long has this been in the works um i would say i'm not sure it's been about five six months that we've been talking okay. uh, trying to figure out if we can be a part of this great event
3: pbr has been around for a long time 23 years i, I had no idea
2: <laughs> yeah 23 years uh, we're getting ready to go into our 23rd world finals in um in november in las vegas and uh I've been around for 17 of those. It's been the shortest 17 years of my life. So how has
3: PBR grown in
2: that in that 17-year span that, that you've been involved? Um, you know, I think there were maybe five people in the office when I joined, and we had uh, a handful of events and, uh, you know, relied on a lot of other people to... To do things, and we've since been able to obviously build an organization. It's been sold twice, uh, most recently to WME IMG, which is the largest sports and entertainment company in the world. And so, I think that says pretty much everything that I have to say about our growth. Is yeah. you know, we've attracted the attention of a lot of people as a sports organization, and it's been you great. You talk about IMG, like you said, it's the it is the sports organization
3: representative, you know, of you know, out there, right? As, as far as representation,
2: that's huge. Well, yeah, and we. Do just uh, bought UFC for four billion dollars, so you know you're the ones. So yeah, <laughs> UFC is now part of the part of the WME IMG family, so uh, we're looking forward to figuring out how we can work more closely with those guys. About a thousand riders, you said, right? That yeah, there's about be... a thousand. There's more than that, certainly, riding bulls in the world, but there's a thousand professionals that are uh, making a legitimate shot at being one of the 35 in the Built Ford Tough Series, and they compete around the world. Right. So. How,
3: yeah, I was going to say, how far does this stretch? Like in the U.S. and and I guess in Canada as well, because being that you're coming here. So.
2: Yeah, we have about 150 events in the United States between the for Test Series, uh, the Blue Def Tour, and the Touring Pro Division. Um, we'll. It looks like we're going to net out at somewhere in the 30 to 40 event range with PBR produced and sanctioned events in Canada. We have about the same number in Australia. That same number in Brazil. Um, so you had them all up and we're about 250 plus events around the world. Specifically in Canada, uh, speak about the growth and, and how much it has grown
3: uh, over the years.
2: Yeah, I mean, Canada is... A- it's got the same Western heritage that the U.S. does. I mean, cowboy is an iconic symbol, Western lifestyle. As a matter of fact, I think Canada today has preserved more of the values of the Western lifestyle and the cowboy values than I've seen in the United States, you know, and yeah. so there's still a great appreciation for it up here, and we're going to touch every corner of Canada with the PBR brand and until, uh, you know, until we've accomplished our goals, which is to be among your most popular sports.
3: I, I like to toot my Western Canadian horn here. Uh, so, you're saying all of Canada pretty much embraces that lifestyle. Do you notice Western Canada
2: embraces uh, it a bit more than Eastern Canada? I was going to say, <laughs> just like the United States, maybe to the Western side appreciates it a little more than. And then in the U.S., it's a little south too. Texas, Texas has still got a lot of cowboy hats going on. But, uh, but, you know, for the most part, my experiences here in Canada are that there's just still a greater appreciation for sure. a lot of those core values and rodeo and bull riding in the history of of our countries, right, you know, our collective countries. So this is a 16 Canadian
3: uh, city tour, right, which will, I mean, it looks like it spans for... You know well over a year before you get here in November of 2017 and by the way it does start in Ottawa so
2: (laughs) yeah yeah it starts it starts this August and rather than having a a bridge season we decided to run uh, 16 events in the Cup Series or well we don't call it the Cup Series it's the Monster Energy Series Uh, they're our title partner here but You know, we're going to run that tour instead of just having an abridged short year, we're going to run it up to Edmonton and have the, worst, the first newly designed PBR. Uh, Canada national finals here in Edmonton.
3: In November 10th to 12th. Uh, I know it's going to be a big, you know, week-long, ten-day event. But the actual finals or the actual events are from November 10th to 12th. And a two-day, two-day event, and one three has day. a three-day event. Sorry. And but two,
2: is there two events or three events? Uh, there, it's three-day events. So okay. the first day we're going to crown our Canadian national champion. Right. But that will also set the field of 20 Canadians who are going to have to defend your soil against the top five competitors from the United States, Brazil, Australia and Mexico. So 20 other bull riders that are going to be competing for the global title here in Edmonton and the opportunity to take your dirt back to their country. That's pretty cool. You know, Canada's got to defend their turf. Hey, they got the advantage of numbers. It's tw- they'll be in teams. So it's 20 bull riders from Canada against five from each of the other countries. And whatever team wins this gets to take the dirt home or you get to keep it here in canada that's
3: very cool how do canadian bull riders stack up against the rest of the world
2: you know they're always in the hunt Um, we've never had one win the world championship uh, the world title but uh, they're always there they're threat every weekend Um, consistent riders aaron roy and zane lambert and uh tanner burns since he's come on the scene these guys are just fantastic they can win any given weekend yeah PBR
3: uh, is a new event. We've, we're so used to the, C- to the CFR, and we don't know what the, really the future is at. There's been talk about Saskatoon, and, and we'll see how that plays out. But um, tell me what people are going to see from a PBR event compared to you know what is a full rodeo
2: well rodeo seven events that um, include team roping calf roping barrel racing uh, saddle bronc bareback um, steer wrestling and then bull riding has always been at the last because it's pretty exciting yep. Yep. Main, um, event. <laughs> main event main um, event but really that was the dream that started PBR was that it could stand alone as a sport so we're you know 40 50 bull rides a night one after another and so it's like an eight second nascar wreck every time the shoot gate opens um nobody wants to see anybody get hurt but there's that drama but we have, you know it's so it's a very exciting sport and then we've wrapped it in a rock concert environment so it's a very entertaining product for kids as well as uh, adults and their grandparents and so it's a it's a multi-generational uh, night of fun and entertainment and that's what we do and that's what's built our brand it's one big energy rush just a big energy <laughs> rush. You, you never leave the... Uh, we used the line one time. You buy the whole seat, but you only use the edge of it. So. <laughs> I think that's what
3: I'd be using as well, so that that's perfect. So with the CFR leaving, you feel you got a real strong base here, that people are going to be wanting to see this type of event?
2: Uh, we have a strong base in Canada yeah. um, in general. Maybe not so much in Edmonton because we've only been here a couple of times um, over the course of the years, but we have a huge fan base in Canada. And so... The they're going to converge here in Edmonton, so it's not only for the local community, but our Canadian fans are going to travel and our international fans are going to travel, and so it's going to be um, a mix, a multinational mix of people that are here for this event. Um, but I think that uh, I think that Edmonton will soon come to love the PBR as a unique product. And um, again, you know, we are not competitors with rodeo in any way, shape, or form. Um, and we're hoping that we can, if there's ever an opportunity, assist CFR and, and CPRA and see if there's a way that we can uh, bring it back to Edmonton, if yeah. that's a possibility. An opportunity for a partnership, we'll, We're open to anything. Well, it's great to have you here. It's going to be a lot of
3: fun. It's going to be, like we say, a complete energy rush. Looking forward to the PBR coming here next November. Thank you very much.
2: Thanks. We're excited to bring the heat in November, which you need. So,
3: For sure. <laughs> All right. <laughs> little heat in November uh, is never a bad thing. So that's Sean Gleason, CEO of Professional Bull Riders, as uh, the announcement and the partnership five-year deal with Oilers Entertainment Group to anchor a 10-day Western lifestyle festival in Edmonton with Canadian finals and, and a global invitational event, which will have uh, a lot of, uh, the, including the farm fair, a lot of local acts musical acts, an Oilers game, likely an Oilers Flames game included in there as well. So, and of course the, uh, the big event, the PBR Edmonton Invitational, and then the PBR Edmonton Invitational Finals, which, uh, will be Saturday, November 11th and Sunday, November 12th in 2017, respectively. And yes, CFR, uh, last year is this year in 2016 at, uh, Rexall Place, and then the, uh, uh event will move on to Saskatoon for three years from 2017 to 2019. It's uh, 7.51. Back to wrap up Hour 2 of uh, Inside Sports in a moment.
0: Hey, this is Jordan Everly from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630, Chad.
3: Dave Campbell and for Reed Wilkins tonight. Reed will be back tomorrow, and uh, yes, talking a lot about Jordan Eberle and the rest of the Oilers uh, between seven and eight. Is Gene uh, Gene Shorts and Bagged Milk will be uh, in studio between seven and eight from Oilers Nation, uh, talking Oilers. Talked some Oilers uh, earlier in the show with uh, Brendan Alrick talking about the uh, the appointment or the uh, hiring of Keith Gretzky as assistant general manager. Haven't said, haven't sent, said, haven't said Brent yet, Matt. Haven't said it yet.
1: That's a good thing. It's uh, looking good. Cause if every time you say it, ten dollars goes into my pocket. Ten dollars so. now. Yes. Holy, Bernard was only two. Oh, I'm yeah. ten. Got... I moved up. Ooh. my Ooh. boy's gonna play in the big league, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> okay. The update on this football game. The
3: Bombers say 100% chance this game will be played. So, but you know, it's funny. I saw a picture. From Investors Group Field, from a from a fan, and it was retweeted by uh, I can't remember which media member retweeted it, but there was a big lightning strike, and this was about eight nine minutes ago, so there's still lightning in the area of Investors Group Field. So, but it has to be within a certain radius. Um, if it's I believe it's 15 kilometers, 15 or 20 somewhere. My memory's failing me, but somewhere in that range. If if lightning is in that radius of the stadium, then you got to call the game or postpone the game. But the plan is still to play the game. The Winnipeg Blue Bombers at home to the Hamilton Tiger Cats, and the Blue Bombers trying to get a uh, rare victory at their home stadium in Investors Group Field. Uh, by the way, here's the update: the teams are aiming to return to the field by. Edmonton time. 8.30. But they've been gracious. They're adding five minutes to the warm-up. It'll be a 15-minute warm-up. So we're looking at, folks, 8.45. This game. (laughs) So
1: 9.45 where they're playing it.
3: Oh, there's going to be a lot of blurry eyes at uh, Winnipeg workplaces tomorrow.
1: I feel sorry for our colleague Knuckles down there in uh, Winnipeg. Uh, So do I. Yeah.
3: So do I. So... Oh boy, this is not good, not good. So a lot of groans around uh, Investors Group Field tonight. The bo- that's a long time, I and mean, that's three hours between warm up and actually getting the players back. But they're gonna try through, you know what, in high water just to get this game played because the CFL doesn't want the logistical nightmare of trying to reschedule a game. So you know, and you're right. I think the last time that happened was 2003.
1: Yeah, Um, I I, I believe
3: so. Yeah. So when the uh, Eskimos and Argos were delayed, moved to uh, a Sunday instead of they're supposed to be played on a Friday. They got moved to a Sunday because of those uh, big blackouts.
1: Can I ask you a question? I just want to know this. Why why is the CFL playing another Wednesday game next week for? I have no idea. is, Is it because the Olympics and TSN couldn't put it on?
3: Well, Is that the reason? That could be. I mean, there's no Friday night football this week oh, because of the opening Wednesday. ceremonies. So that's why. Uh, Wednesday and then a doubleheader on Thursday. That's right. So Friday night football is now Thursday night football. Of course, they have Thursday night football in the summertime. and That's a staple of the CFL schedule. Uh, by the way, this half hour brought to you by Action Furnace, home of the fixed right or its free guarantee. Visit actionfurnace.ca. Next hour, take some of your techs and your tweets as well. You can tweet me at Dave underscore Ted. You can also text in at 630 630. And we're gonna introduce you to Stefan Ritter, who uh, is already rising up the uh, scene in the world cycling uh, community. A national junior champion, also won a national war, or uh, sorry, an international uh, championship as well. He's 18 years old. Stefan Ritter is his name. We'll talk to him just after 8:30. News is next with Randy Kilburn from the 6:30 Chad 24-hour News Center. Back with the third and final hour of Inside Sports after the news. 6:30
1: Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6:30 Chad.